Hey listeners, Josh here. I just wanted to pop in before the episode to tell you a little bit about a second podcast that we're going to be starting at the beginning of next month in uh, June. It's going to be called Book Bash. It's going to be a podcast that we're running on the side of Tangent Train where Garner, myself, and a friend of ours named Alex... Um, as well as maybe a few other guests, will be joining us in um, a book club, basically. And so the premise is, is that we're going to announce, at, the be- at every episode we're going to announce what, what book we're going to read, and then discuss the last book we read. But because the first episode would just be announcing what book we're going to read, I figured I'd drop it in here and maybe on the next few episodes leading up to the first Book Bash episode. The first book we're going to be reading is called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. So if you want to join us for our book club, then go ahead and pick that book up whichever way is convenient for you and listen to us review it at the beginning of next month. Anyway, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Tangent Train. I am your host, Josh, a.k.a. Mr. Man Zero One, and I am joined by co-host... Garner. Yeah. Um, a.k.a. Garner. Yes. Yeah, I like my name. It's working for me. A man me. who exists only in this corner of the internet and maybe some shadowy places on Reddit. Pretty much. <laughs> I have been found on Reddit before, so yeah. Otherwise, they don't exist. That's okay. If you weren't going on Reddit, then Reddit wouldn't exist to me either. Yeah. It's actually interesting how that works out. Like, Even though Reddit's like this very popular site, and lots and lots and lots of people use it, and it's a news aggregate site, I've only met a few people who actually use Reddit. I know. I mean, I probably should, too, because I like to kind of stay on... Uh, you know, stay ahead on topics without actually using news sites. <laughs> mm-hmm. And a lot of news sites just blatantly take from Reddit these days. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, mm, copy-paste, yep, that works, give me money, sell ads. There are some things about Reddit that I think are just, uh, don't work. Like, it's just, it's layout at first is just... Just Byzantine is just like this page of information and links. It's like 1990s forum. Yeah, was like the the ultimate web design, and they're like, yes, this. Yeah, this 1990s. Nothing forum. else. You don't need anything more. <laughs> yeah, it looks really bad. In fact, um, you know, League of Legends actually copied most of how Reddit does its things on its forums, uh-huh. but then they actually, because they you know do art for a game, stylized it. So oh, yeah. it actually looks nice. Right. <laughs> and the other thing I think that's really interesting about Reddit is um, apparently Reddit is full of um, young white males. And uh, and you get, you, you get like this strange, there, there is like an echo chamber in the discussion groups there. It's, that is very, you, you'll see the same opinions over and over and over. Oh, I imagine. Reddit. Yeah. So, so that's really interesting. Yeah, um, and speaking of uh, timely topics, we both had the chance to play Overwatch recently yes. on our open beta weekend, um, and due to a failure of your microphone, didn't get to talk about it yet, oh. but to the benefit of our audience, now we get to bicker over the game now. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I guess, yeah, now the audience gets to <laughs> hear the feedback. Yeah. So, you got to play it more than I, because you got into the uh, at least one of the two exclusive betas, didn't you? I got into a closed beta um, like a month or two ago, and, um, and the only reason why I probably didn't get into the other ones is I wasn't even signed up for the beta. I had no idea. Oh. <laughs> you know, I found out when some of my friends were getting invited, and I wasn't. I guess that's how I got in on the open one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you so. were like, come play the beta. I'm like, I can't. So, 
So Overwatch is this really interesting game in that so my friends who had been pl- already playing it for quite a while back, um, namely my buddy Zephyr and Richard, uh, were talking about it and they're like, "Yeah, it's, it looks really cool. What do you think? Are you going to pick it up?" And I'd watch some videos. I'd watch some videos and said, "Hey, you know what? This game just looks like Team Fortress. I mean, it looks all right." But uh, which I don't think is an unfair comparison, by the way. No, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's actually not at all an unfair comparison. Right? Like it is like Team Fortress, excessively so, except with women. <laughs> except for there are yeah, there are women in it, lots of them. That's Team Fortress Three now of women. <laughs> that's what that's what they could have called it. No. Take notes, team. <laughs> no, um. But I heard about it, and, I, and to me, um, I'd watch one of my favorite uh, YouTubers, uh, Day9. He, he played it. I'd watch like, oh, a live yeah. stream of him playing it. And uh, I don't know. like It just seemed all right. Mm-hmm. But I do have to say, now that it has uh, arrived and I got my hands on it, especially after the first time I played it, I was actually really itching to give it another go. But I was still on the fence because, well, shit, you know, you can get games now for 20 bucks. Good games. Triple A games. Well, I have to admit, when, when I first started to see the the media buzz about it, um, I didn't watch too many trailers or much media on it because, um, as much as I have enjoyed past Blizzard games, for some reason their marketing team just fails to appeal to me, like utterly fails in in that department because it, it's a game about characters. You know, at its core, you want to play as one of their characters to run around and shoot other characters. And yet, for all of the design and um, care that they put into these characters, none of them really stood out to me as being anything really enticing. You know, you have like... um, You have like kind of spacey tech chick with the short haircut zipping around. You've got blue alien babe with a giant button gun and you got gorilla man and these are, and then, you know, soldier visor guy. And that's about your, your four standout champions that are like, come play us, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I actually watched a blizzard interview on this and they said, it's actually pretty hard to make, a character that will be good in a team shooter mm-hmm. and seem like a unique superhero because they're trying to go for the superhero thing. Sure. And they said, and when you look around, there are so many superheroes, there's little chance that your superhero hasn't already been done. I mean, admittedly, like, since the popularity of League of Legends, League of Legends has been really thorough on taking every um, sort of uh, concept. Yeah. Like character archetype and being like we've done it you yeah. know it's like with television shows and, and writing an episode of a of a comedy show The Simpsons already did it yeah now, yeah. now when you're making a character for a video game League of Legends already did it <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that makes sense well you know there's there's the other challenge too because it's like semi grounded in like some sort of bizarre near future earth so yeah, they can't go too crazy, you know. They have the characters. I mean, and in that being said, they have still gone pretty crazy. Like they got like this guy who could turn into like a cloud of smoke. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean that that by itself is nuts. And I don't know, like I, I feel you know when you have to make all these characters essentially use guns or something gun like, yeah, or something like that, throwing shurikens or bows. You know, there's only so far you can go with that. Absolutely, but. But at the same time, having now gotten my chance to play it, I can say the characters were quick quick to warm up to me. Yeah. Um, I think especially the uh, the banter between characters was really well done. I mean, and that's something that um, Valve has always been really good about, is writing the dialogue for their characters. You know, we really first saw that sort of um, uh, character banter during... Competi- or uh, cooperative and competitive play in uh, Left 4 Dead. Yeah, Left 4 Dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely felt some of that 
vibes playing this. Like, there was one match when you and I were both playing Trixie, who is that short-haired um, cyber suit chick, and uh, they started, started talking to each other about how there was two of them. Oh, you mean Tracer. Or Tracer, sorry. Yeah, Tracer. And Tracer has this sort of temporal theme to her abilities. Right. And so the banter was all about how one of them was the past self and one was the future self. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really well done. You know, actually, there's this valveness to the game. Like, it's very clear where the inspiration's coming from. One of the things, mm-hmm. um, you were talking about the marketing earlier that struck me as strange is um, they have some really cool videos yeah. about, like, the history of Overwatch, and they have, like, Sniper Duel, where she kills, like, some sort of robot monk. Spoilers! Um, <laughs> right? Um, but they have these really cool, seemingly character-driven, story-driven videos and then when you play the game, they just go full valve on you, <laughs> and you just put pieces together of what's going on through the banter. Right. There's no story mode. There's no nothing like that. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, I can definitely appreciate that, because the way that that kind of, I think, works out to their benefit is that the gameplay, like the appeal of the gameplay is to players who like the episodic sort of um, rounds. You know, you play 20 minutes of the game, get in a back-and-forth round, and then move on with your life. You know, or maybe you put in a few more hours, but it's the it's the core mechanics of the game that you're looking to satisfy yourself with. But there are going to be people out there that want more details. And instead of muddling their game down by making everybody go through the details they make them optional on the side and so they can be like come get your lore and backstories over here if you if you really want it right for the people who are invested in that they actually almost get a cleaner experience like they don't have to beat the game or watch a, or yeah. watch someone else play the game on YouTube they can actually just go watch a YouTube that's specifically meant for that purpose mm-hmm. so I, th- I think it's very interesting but I do feel like the marketing feels off because of that like, the video that's telling the story is a part of the marketing. Right. So, like, like when I first came into the game, I was just like, man, you know, this looks like it's got this sweet story. Maybe I'm interested. Blizzard's pretty good at telling stories. Well, I was going to say, Blizzard has really moved their department into storytelling over the last few years. You know, Diablo was a fairly cinematic experience in spite retaining its classic um, kind of top-down perspective, you know. And, uh... The last couple expansions on World of Warcraft were very much story-driven. Oh, absolutely. Like, remarkably more story-driven than than any of the prior game. And now they're even pushing this movie, which is only story, no gameplay. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so, when they're now pushing this game that's just, uh, you know, co-op competitive, um... And with the high action of a first-person shooter, it kind of makes sense that they would have to sort of um, put the storyline to the side. But that's probably, from the design point of view, where a lot of their inspiration came from. You know, because Blizzard is really good about not uh, adding needless detail. You know, if they put something in aesthetically, they put it in for a reason. Which means they're as they're developing these characters, the way they look and behave, they're going to want to give them a why they look that way and behave that way. Not just because it's cool. Which is probably more like what Battleborn is doing. You know, like, we'll have this mushroom-fighting guy and this clockwork man with a mustache because people like steampunk, right? And they don't make any reason or sense as to why a mushroom guy and clockwork guy are in this setting and going to be fighting you know. Yeah, I mean, although that being said, it's not even clear why all these ex-Overwatch heroes are killing each other either. Sure. But but I do definitely feel like, at least with Overwatch, there's more characterization. Um, from what I see with Battleborn, it just seems like cheeky Borderlands stuff, which is kind of weird, because if you, delve, if you dig deeper into Borderlands, all that characterization actually sometimes... It makes sense, right? You know. Well, I don't want to say that. You know, to, I think to try to compare Battleborn and Overwatch is a bit silly 
mm-hmm. understandably, they they come with a similar looking aesthetic. Um, enough to be compared, I think, on that grounds, but the gameplay is is clearly vastly different. Yeah, because one's uh, a first person MOBA, and the other one is an objective FPS. It's like an arena shooter, right? It's yeah, just, it's like a fallback to the the old days where you just put dudes into an arena and made them fight. Right? Yeah, like, definitely like old GoldenEye style. Um, I do think there is some things though, like uh, I'm trying to remember. There's something that struck me kind of strange. Um, I mean, the balance of characters was pretty f- decently done. There were a couple characters with a few abilities that I was just kind of like, really, WTF? Like the bow and arrow guy. If he gets that full charge shot, he can drop the tank in one hit. The Hanzo dude. That's the name of the dude. Is he... It? That character really just kind of pissed me off. But only, <laughs> I think, is this kind of like the way I play games. Like, I'm always thinking about where I know my opponents are at. And I'm thinking about how they don't know where I'm at and I can hear their gun fire so I know they're shooting this direction oh, yeah, and then I'll point. jump them but this dude this dude can shoot arrows that reveal my position every few seconds even if I am completely hidden and there is this extremely irritating feeling where the moment I peek the corner he is looking right at me with the bow charged and I'm dead. Yeah. And and it feels so like, how did he know? And then I'm like, right. Well, and it's and you make a good point with the noise thing too. It's yeah. not like you really hear his shots coming. Yeah, you know, not too late. I mean, like he, he shoots slowly enough, and especially if like he stops shooting for some reason, I'm like, oh, he's gone. No, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. No, he knows that I'm there, and so Hanzo really just ruffles my feathers. The other thing that I really don't like about Hanzo, like what just gets my goat, like if you want to just talk about this guy, that damn dragon ultimate you're talking about where it's like oh, flying God. through walls, right? Every player of the game with this guy is him doing another damn dragon. <laughs> it's just like, this character feels so bizarre. He just feels like the wall hacking guy with the wall hack ultimate. His ultimate was the first one I could recognize. Because like every champion, when they fire their ultimate, makes a sound large enough that the entire map hears it. Yeah. You know, they announce their attack like a freaking anime character. And Hanzo's ultimate was the first one I immediately recognized and learned how to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's actually very avoidable. Oh, once yeah. you learn. Yeah. yeah. You know, I actually really find interesting about... um just the discussion of Hanzo and, you know, fuck that guy, right? Um, is, okay, so Overwatch has ultimate abilities and they charge up. Yeah. So Team Fortress doesn't. Right. And how that changes the game, both good and bad, right? Uh, in my opinion, on the good side, it's like it gives everybody this kind of like super move some way to shake up some uh, a situation that is difficult to get past, uh-huh. right? And it gives a way to just, like, force things now. What feels kind of shitty about it, though, is if you're on the losing team, um, yours, your ultimates usually build up when you do damage. Yeah. And so if you're not doing so well and your team's not doing so well, well, guess who's got the ultimates? Right. Not your team. Their team. Well, and I also noticed that the ultimates tend to create a sort of funny, um, like the strategies that ended up developing around them. Yeah, were very much like uh, how to put it, kind of like, um, like a duel, like a draw, you know. One champion would start his, and then two other opposing champions would would focus theirs at him to kill him off, so that his didn't finish. And yeah. then you'd get like somebody else that'd pull off to drop another one of those two. <laughs> yeah. And so it'd just be like this this tidal wave of ultimates, and then see who's left standing. You know. <laughs> well, I actually felt that that aspect though is kind of the intent, and because. 
it, I mean, like, the elephant in the room when you play Overwatch is it could be a lot of fun, but a lot of the levels are set up with clear choke points. Oh, yeah. And if the defense has got it on lockdown, it's really hard to get through the choke points. Yeah, I'll give it to them. The map design was actually pretty clean. Usually in these kind of games, like the first few maps, there's usually like a couple of big turds that people just don't want to play. Right. But I really only felt that there was like maybe one of those maps in this um, that I played. And there was surprisingly a lot of maps. I think there's nine maps. Is there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the first map that I noticed was Hanamura. It's this map where it's got this kind of Japanese-style theme. You're like in a little market. I think you and I are thinking of the same one. It's yeah. got a big wooden wall. and has very conspicuously has like a window-sized cutout on the left-hand side. Oh, okay. There's another one that's kind of Oriental-themed that I'm thinking of. You're thinking the one with the bell is like the first capture mm-hmm. point. The bell's the first capture point. And on Hanamura... This is the first map that I really noticed because when I played it in the closed beta, I just hated the map. I couldn't, like, it felt so hard to get in, right? You have to somehow get through this wall. Yeah, there's, like, two two main entrances. There's, like, a side door that's pretty easy to choke. And then a large wooden door, like a two-story door, that's, like, partly opened. Mm-hmm. That people got to snake through, but... The, both of them come out into the same courtyard where people can have all kinds of camping sniper points to just sit back and be like, nope, you don't get through. Nope, you don't get through. Nope, try again. <laughs> so this map was very frustrating for me when I played, right? Yeah. It's just so frustrating. And it, exactly because they could watch both entrances from the same place, like you're saying. And uh, But what I found interesting is as I continued to play the map, I started to develop my own strategies around it, both as an attacker and as a defender. And I also started to notice that I liked certain kinds of heroes better because it was that map. And that's when Overwatch started to really click for me. When I was when I started to think to myself, right, when you buy Overwatch, you get all 21 heroes. Yeah. And you get you, you, you're not expected to just have your main yeah, there's not one champion per round. Yeah. You can swap at any point. If you switch to what you need according to the situation. And so on that map, um, so I, I realized later on that D.Va on her mech, when you press shift, she can actually literally just get up and fly. Yeah. Vertically. And so on the on a wooden hole there, there's a cutout and she can fly, turn to the left. And she's tanky enough. She also has an ability where she can block all incoming fire. So even if they're shooting the window, I'm invincible. I'm inside. right? I made it. And so she can push through. Now the defenders have to follow her back there. They're not watching the door anymore. They're off chasing me. There's a few times where I noticed sometimes the strategy was to just distract and that, that was at least a viable strategy. And I definitely appreciated that. There's a lot of um, objective kind of co-op versus games where if you're not pushing the objective at all times, you're failing your team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I thought Overwatch did a decent job of being like, if you can distract even like the high hitters, like their damage pushers for a few seconds... You're doing your team a service. <laughs> yeah, know? if you can just somehow get make it so that your team can get to the point or get a better angle or whatever, even if you're not, like, you know, killing anybody or anything, if you can just somehow get their attention away, in Overwatch, that can be the difference. In particular, like, if you're playing, like, a character, like, I don't know, Tracer? Oh, yeah. Like, I was playing Tracer often just to do something like that because she's so high mobility mm-hmm. that I would literally just start dancing around champions and they get mad trying to shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got all your abilities are, like, geared around not being where you just were. <laughs> yeah, you can just dash around. My On that same map, Hanamura, when I started to play defense, I started to play Tracer. Uh-huh. Not so that I could watch the wall, so that I could be in the market. Yeah. 
So I'm in the market with them, and they're sure they're on the other side of the wall. It's their entire team. And my team is watching the wall, trying to make sure no one can get in. Mm -hmm. But then the enemy knows I'm out there. Because Tracer rarely can kill someone in one uh, magazine. Right. It's really hard. Like, if she gets, if she's pretty close and she aims directly at the critical hit location, the head or whatever it is on that guy, um, she can do someone in one go. But most of the time she can't. So you shoot somebody and you get away. But now they have this nagging feeling that you're in their market. Hunting them every time they turn their back, you'll be back. Uh-huh. And I just love that gameplay style. I liked, I like this like strange, you know, uh, predator versus predator. The you know the prey and the hunter, and then the hunter becomes the prey. Because after a while, you know, I know they're looking for me. Yeah, but but I was hunting them. So it was, it's yeah. really great gameplay. And I, I did like the balance too. Some of their support characters um, were definitely had some interesting abilities. Um, like the one I played the most, I forget her name. She's that kind of, um, um, she's that girl who can like build the little laser turrets. Oh, Symmetra. And, and grant shields and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's an interesting one. Although I would have to say that anybody stupid enough to get hit by her gun really <laughs> deserves it. <laughs> well, you had to stay around for a left click. Because that thing fires at a rate that is just absurd. You well, like to, to give perspective to those who haven't played the game yet. She can, at close range, fire this laser that sort of like attaches to the character and tracks them as long as they're in your field of view and within that short distance, and it like bleeds their damage out. Um, so if you can keep them on that for a good couple seconds, they'll go down. But that can be kind of challenging because you're kind of a softer character and usually don't want to be that close to somebody with a higher web power gun. So you can charge the shots and shoot them as like a bubble that flies across the um, the map. However, flies is is kind of a loose term. It more or less just drifts in the direction you pointed it at at a rate that is really avoidable because it's this giant glowing ball of plasma. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And so. I found, like, the best way is to just shoot it at a door that nobody's handing at that you hope they're about to walk through <laughs> and just be caught unaware. Because otherwise, if you see the, if they see it coming, they can just sidestep it really easy. Speaking of unawares, the, the game tries very hard. Like, you can press F1. It will explain all the character abilities. Yeah. But it doesn't quite explain certain mechanics. Yeah. I'll just give you an example. With Symmetra, that right click, the slow moving orb, it does something that very few other abilities do. Yeah. But it doesn't tell you. The it passes through shields without damaging them. Right. And I was like, What? <laughs> I found out the very hard way when I was playing Reinhardt and had my shield up, and I was like, How am I taking damage but my shield is still up? Is someone behind me? Yeah. And I got hit by these orbs. They, like, um, her turrets, too, they don't tell you that there is no cap. Mm-hmm. It's just a cooldown before you get to put down some more. And so there was a few times where I built the room so stuffed with these things that it would just barbecue anybody that stepped in the, through, the, through the entrance. Yeah, it's, it's a really crazy game. Uh, one of the things that I... It took me a long time to figure out how it worked was the overtime... Why does the game go into overtime? Oh, yeah. I For a long time, I tried to figure it out. I eventually did figure it out. Um, but it's interesting how Blizzard's produced is actually a very accessible shooter, which is very easy to just, like, jump in, play the game, press F1, read the abilities. You only got, like, three or four abilities. But there's still some nuance. There's still some tricks. Um, almost every character and everything. But just the, the Overwatch, the overtime answer is actually pretty simple. If... The, game, the round was supposed to end, but there's still an opponent on the objective. Then the round doesn't end until the Overwatch timer reaches zero when there's no longer an opponent on the objective. Yeah, that's what I noticed. And it took me a while to gather that. Yeah. Right? I, in fact, I probably flubbed quite a few rounds that I could have forced into overtime. And, and while we're talking about map choke points, um, I definitely noticed that some of the maps seem to be designed for the clinch win or loss. Mm. Like, for example, if you, there were some, there's so many damn maps where 
you have to like the uh, the offense team has to take a point and then escort that point to the end. Right. And those escort missions for the defenders, you get one spawn spot. Right. You get all the way back at the end of the game, and you've got to run to the combat conflict. And that time gives the enemy significant um, means to push. And there's ways to combat that. You know, the champion we are just talking about, she can place a teleporter as her ultimate. Right, um, right. Which, you know, is pretty helpful, but it only has, like, a limited number of uses before it pops. And then um, other characters like Tracer are just stupid fast, and so the distance really doesn't mean much to them. Um, however, <clears throat> I felt like because of that, it creates this large tension at the end of the match because now the opposition or the offense is is right at the end of their trek and yet now the respawn and return to battle time for the defenders is almost instantaneous. Yes. And it makes that last few legs like just drag. <laughs> it's so hard. The map I think of in particular where I've lost very often just because we can't quite kill all the defenders to stop them from touching the payload is Gibraltar. This Which map. one is that? It, it's on an, um, an island, you know, the Rock of Gibraltar, right? And, a, and it's got this um, very industrial-looking base. You start up top, and then it works its way down into, like, a little pit. Works its way back up, and there's all these industrial buildings. And eventually, it's trying to make it to a silo. It looks oh, like you're transporting that, a satellite. Is that the one where it passes through a hangar? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the one for me that was always a pain is where you have to get to the limo and escort it through. Oh, Hollywood. Um, no, not Hollywood. It's the other one. You start out in, like, a mall or something, and you have to pass around a, a corner oh. to get to the car, and then the car's got to drive and then takes another hard L um, or Z turn into the objective. It could be the, and the there's body. Usually, there's usually like two story, there's like balconies all over the place. Yep, yep. Yeah. That one for me was always a pain. Yeah. On the uh, offensive side. Yeah, if you're on the offense, you'll get all the way to the place, and eventually there's just like a house to the left where I guess you can go to not get shot. Of course, you know, the defenders are shooting the hell out of that house. Yeah, there's like three ways to get into that last turn, mm. and they're all really. Um, accessible to the defenders. Yeah. And, and, I, and so it's just really hard to make that final push. I definitely feel like Blizzard did do exactly what you're saying. They tried to make it so that, you know, the the offense feels like they're making progress mm -hmm. up until they bump up against some spawn timers. I honestly think that's a meta answer to an old problem in these games. Because... Um, you know, in a champion-based game like League of Legends, sometimes you just feel like you got dealt the wrong card, and these guys are really good with their characters, and they're just kicking your ass. Right. You know, and the map design on these kind of games, um, like in Overwatch and Team Fortress, can really turn the tide. They can they can kind of curb the flow of battle, and so I definitely think it was intentional. Yeah, I 100% I, I agree. You know, speaking about just, like, tough situations. So, on one hand, like, this whole time I was saying, like, Overwatch just does all this great stuff. But to me, we're touched on, like, the elephant in the room on this game. And that is the meat grinder. This, this sensation in the game. And it almost feels like, I shouldn't say it's a unique Overwatch sensation, because I've actually experienced it before in a different Blizzard game. Yeah. Um, Battlegrounds. Oh yeah. In World of Warcraft Battlegrounds, yeah, you could just end up in this slog, like uh, I want to say Battle of Gilneas. You're just over this flag, and you guys are just killing each other forever. And one guy's trying to take a flag. Yeah. So in Overwatch, I just sort of feel like the game could be so fun, and then you could just get into this slog where nothing's happening. The limo can't get pushed. You're just getting yep. killed the moment you turn a corner. You know, you're you're killing them the moment they till turn a corner, and there's just this feeling that um, it can sometimes just feel so frustrating to get things done. So the map that I was going to say that I didn't like, it, it's mostly because it's that 
no matter what side you're on. And it's um, one where you have to take the point. There's one point both teams have to take it and hold it the longest. Yeah. And that's the one where the point is in that square room in the middle of a plaza. So, like, it's kind of got an oriental uh, theming to it, I think. Kind of a colder-looking environment. And on both sides, they've got a large door and a couple side doors they can get to. Right. that central room, and there's, like, a two-story pagoda thing that you have to get into and hold. Gotcha. I want to say it's the first or second stage of Lijong Tower. Yeah. But I know what you're talking about. It's a cap, It's a King of the Hill map. Yeah, and that, that one is always just aggravating no matter what side you're approaching it from. Yeah, if you're because in the defense. Because it's this tiny little kill box. Mm-hmm. And it's just this constant run in, kill as many as you can before you die, and repeat until the end of the match, and hopefully come out on top. <laughs> yeah, and if you're the defender... Sometimes you're just like, well, eventually they're all just going to burst in here and run me over, mm-hmm. and then we'll do it again. Mm-hmm. And so there, there definitely is this feeling, um, like this. I, you know, I wouldn't say it's a good feeling when you're just getting like mowed down. Like a, a lot of people complain. There was a poll on the Overwatch Reddit just the other day. Oh, yeah? It had three thousand responses on it, and one of the questions was, which character needs a nerf? <laughs> Well, who do you think that they wanted nerfed? Is it the one that says that that challenges to be nerfed? Um, no, it's not. It's not the one that says nerf this. No, it's not. Okay. No, actually, that was a really popular character. I mean, it had a bunch no, of cool questions. She was. Yeah, the character that people really want nerfed is Bastion. The guy who could turn into the Shocker. turret. Yeah, yeah, people hated that turret dude. I actually, if it wasn't him, I bet it would be Widowmaker. You know, I wouldn't put it past Eric. They Widowmaker does feel scumbaggy in that she can see through walls and line up her shot. Mm-hmm. I do not like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, in general, I don't like wall hacks. You know, yeah, Blizzard, if you listen, the wall hacks are bad. They're bad. It's cheating. Stop putting in stealthy characters that can be defeated by an ability. <laughs> yeah, by one <laughs> ability. Jeez. And not just for her. Her entire party. Yeah, because of the that effect. Yep. Yeah. So, um, but no, Bastion was on the people, and this is the crazy part. 55% of 3,000 people polled wanted Bastion nerfed. Wow. Out of all of the champions? Out of all of them. <laughs> I mean, it is overwhelming consensus that people hate that guy. It is. I have to admit, there's, there's a small resignation for me there because I, out of the champions I was doing best at, it was Tracer and Bastion. Yep. Yep. And I also love robots, so. I like Bastion's core gameplay. Yeah. My, my ch- thing about him, and I don't really think he's like super Emba Im- or anything, I, I actually agree with the crowd. I think he just needs a slight nerf, but only because of the meat grinder aspect. Yes. So to me, the meat grinder is particularly devastating when, okay, you know, maybe the opposing team has gotten, like, really dumb or whatever. They have, like, two bastions now or three, and they, ha- they just happen to have this really good angle. And I don't know, maybe your team just won't switch champions to counter bastions. So now every time you turn that corner, he's just going to mow you down. The problem I have <laughs> is in a normal first-person shooter, in a sane first-person shooter, when when you want to see if there's a threat there, you peek the corner. You just kind of turn and look. Yeah. And, yeah, if the sniper is holding that thing, he will shoot the peeker, and that's kind of part of the gameplay. Yeah. Right? You know, you, you sometimes have to learn... Where the sniper might be angling, maybe you shoot him first when you peek. But the idea is that you don't turn that corner and you and your entire team just gets mowed down. Right? And so, to me, Bastion punishes very hard. Um, He punishes both actually like grouping up to push strategies. He actually really punishes that hard. And he also really punishes just the basic... Basic, like I'm trying to play safe. I want to look around the corner, and he's he just sprays you down. He does so much damage so fast. Yeah, he does. To me, it, I mean, if I were the game designer, I'd just give him the tiniest, tiniest nerve. Let, let, let me run this by you. Let's see what you think. Okay. I think 
that they should give like a half a second or a third of a second wind up on his shooting. Hmm. And it should have an audible, a fairly audible sound, like a loud whirl for half a second. I think the audio part is a bit bad. Um, I think that would be too telling. Too much? Um, the wind-up's not a bad idea. A couple thoughts I had was either a shorter clip... Yeah, is the reload time on that's a bitch. Yeah, two hundred rounds he has, and then and or um, a turn resistance. Ooh, turn resistance. Because I was pretty surprised when you could turn into a turret that can whip one eighty and as fast as you can twitch your mouse. You know. Yeah, when they originally designed him, he had angles like you could only do uh, a one hundred and eighty degree angle. Oh, is that yeah? Yeah, when they first did him, when I played him in the closed beta, he actually was like that, and um, he just could not turn completely around. Um, I can see why that wasn't very popular. It eventually, <laughs> it eventually was just like he wasn't useful in competitive play. Yeah, it's really easy to take him out then. Um, so they had to make it so that he could actually defend himself. But, I, like I said, I, I think just, to me, the reason why I want this to be a little bit of wind-up, I want to make it so that a person could look around a corner and go, oh, it's Bastion, and not already be dead. Now, if... I, if, want, them, I want them to be able to turn around. Now, if we were to, like, um, to implement that, that spray to be a little weaker... Would you think it'd be out of the question to let him jump out of that mode faster? Mm, like he he gets out of it quicker than he gets in, right? For sure. But do you think he should be able to be able to jump off of his seat a little faster than than uh, he already is? Well, I mean, like to me, you just want to make because I don't think the characters actually inherently imbalanced. Like, the more I played, the more I was like, there's some characters that just roll this guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, there's this guy Genji, right? And there's actually, like, a whole game, a special game that Genji and Bastion get to play. <laughs> and, and the game is, Genji walks up and shoots shurikens, and Bastion wants to shoot him, but uh -huh. then Genji will start blocking. Oh, Bastion God. needs not to shoot him. Yes. And Genji needs to make the most of his time right after that. Yeah. Because once the block is done, Bash is going to shoot him again. <laughs> as soon as they have this game, right? They have this special game. And um, I actually do think that Bastion isn't inherently overpowered. He just... I, I, I wouldn't want to make two changes. I'd want to just make one what I feel like is a tiny change. Like when you said, maybe the audio is too much. You're probably right. That's actually two changes. That's a wind-up and an audio. Yeah. You know, I don't want to wind up and a movement speed increase. I just think he just needs like a tweak, like a, just like a nudge. Because the heavy does it. The heavy does it well. Yes, the heavy in TF2. Yeah, and he has a movement restriction. Yeah, when he's winding the gun, yeah. he is slowed down. Huh. Yeah, so... Right, because it almost makes you wonder, you know, like, if... Because I was thinking it would just be a little bit of a wind-up before it starts shooting. Uh -huh. Not that you could just wind it. Yeah, and the Heavy has both the wind-up and a little bit of movement resistance. Right. Yeah, you know... I mean, not just physical character movement. I mean, like, in his aiming, it drags a bit. I mean, all that being said, though, I mean, this isn't the, the Nerf Bastion channel. Yeah. I, I think that, in my opinion... Bastion is just a symptom of the very frustrating part in Overwatch. My, I mean, my overall verdict actually is that the game's just really fun, and and then maybe I'm just being like uh, kind of sarcastic here, except for when it's not being fun, right? When, oh, you're, when you're up against a wall. I absolutely experienced that. I mean, um, I mentioned briefly to you on a Steam chat that my first four hours of the game, I played by myself. You know, I just random queued, mm -hmm. and I actually had a pretty good time. Like, I I wasn't winning more than I was necessarily losing, but I was still having a decent time, you know, learning the characters, trying stuff out, and, um, and then 
I had you and like two other friends join in, and I started to experience the old pains of matchmaking. Oh. And I was just like, oh god, that's right. Now that we're a bunch of friends playing in a game together, we have to go up against another group of friends and their coordination, you know? Right. And, uh... And especially because, you know, you're usually our shots caller. My and, microphone's broken at the time. Yeah, and your mic's broken, so, like, you're screaming in a chat box that I'm, like, resolutely ignoring. And, <laughs> uh... <laughs> and I'm just going, like, man, this really sucks. And, and, uh... And then the second day I played with a bunch of you guys, it was actually, um... I don't know if I was just in a bad mood, maybe, but... I had a much harder time, and I felt like we were hitting the wall a lot more often than we were succeeding. Yeah, um, I absolutely experienced that. In fact, um, I almost didn't get the game during that brief stint. I got pretty angry. You could ask my girlfriend. <laughs> I was getting really frustrated playing that game without a microphone, even when I was I mean, I, I could pumps. tell, because like, I played, uh, what was his name, the music support guy. Yeah, Lucio. I'm, I played him, and then you started griping at me in the chat, like, do you know what his main ability is? Do you know how to push the button? Can you read? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, English, do you read it? Dude, dude, stop. <laughs> oh, I was getting so frustrated, but I was even getting frustrated even when I couldn't talk to my buddies, um, like even with Pugs, you know, I, I, I was a rated Battleground leader in yeah. Warcraft. I'm used to shot calling and telling people where things are and feeling like if anything I'm providing information for my team and the game especially because of the way they just you know oh you you decided to play with your friends now you must play against another group even if they're a lot better than your group right I actually really dislike that in matchmaking like I get it they want to have one group versus another group I actually think that's fine but make, but prioritizing group versus group instead of our skill level versus their skill level yeah what the hell you know like they're not always even it's not it's, I'll tell you what as playing a lot of group games it's almost never the case that they're actually within your skill group it's oh, yeah. obvious that they're prioritizing the fact that you're in a group more than your skills yeah I mean they and it seems to be like an attempt to avoid the old days of and I mean like really old uh, competitive days where people would just have servers and you'd go jump in a server match and play rounds with whatever assholes decided to hang out in that server. You know, it was like an old chat room. Yeah. You'd just log in and be like, all right, I'm playing American server 127B9 on Battlefield 2 and, and we're going to go clean house until... Until, you know, some group of elites decide to join in and just mop up all these scrubs. Because there's no gate. You know? Yeah, there was no gate. The gate is literally just the capacity. How, much, how many people that server can hold. And anybody and anybody who can enter can go in and, and you know, make a mess of it. And it would lead to, like, a really... A lot of upsetting times. Um... Bad habits like, you know, a team of elites going in to mop up a bunch of news and just give them a hard time. Right. Or people who saw just even a little bit of aversion would throw a hissy fit and bail. Yeah, they just leave. The moment they saw the the group, they would just, you know, log out, right? Yeah. And so I, I, I get it, right? You know, nobody wants to go up against a clan or whatever thing. But, like, when you're just playing with your friends... Man, <laughs> it's just like, please just match me up against people of my friends and I's skill level. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. And and that actually kind of brings me into another point. Blizzard is not is certainly no stranger to competitive gameplay. Yeah, absolutely. But what I found really bizarre is that there seems to be, and maybe I'm just woefully blind. There seems to be no. A personal arc in this game like like when you're playing it you earn experience points and levels and unlock all kinds of fancy skins and stickers and sprays and none of that affects gameplay right like you're not getting a second weapon set for your characters it's just purely cosmetic stuff See, like, on one hand, I want to say that's a really good decision from a competitive standpoint. It also justifies your $40 purchase. If you buy up that game for $40, shouldn't you get everything that game comes to offer? Without? Certainly. Well, no. 
actually. No. I mean, think about this. Um, when, when you buy, like, say, some terrible, horrible game like Call of Duty, you're getting all of the Call of Duty, but it's your gameplay that will unlock new gear. Right. They have, like, these progression systems where you, like, level up into the special grenade launcher rifle or whatever. Sure. And, and you know, there, there's certainly balance issues that come with that design. However, it also adds longevity to the game. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it's as much fun as we might have had playing Overwatch, I'm like, so what's going to keep me coming back to this $40 purchase, you know, say a year from now? I actually wondered to myself, I had to ask myself this, you know, this is actually a really fun game. I actually think it's worth the money, but is this a 100-hour-plus game? Right. Right? Um, you know, like, I probably put in hundreds and hundreds of hours in League of Legends, and it probably no small part due to their silly progression system where you have to get the IP for the runes and the IP to unlock the heroes. I mean, even in Team Fortress, yeah, you get... Extra guns that either have like that that change your playstyle subtly enough to um, uh, to make unlocking things interesting. Yeah, I I do feel like overall I really don't like unlocks that are changing the mechanics too much. But I do think that if Blizzard really wants to make this the you know two hundred plus hour game. 300 plus hour game that they're going to have to find some way to cater to people who um, if anything just want to try new things out I think there's still a lot to explore in 21 Heroes yeah like there's a lot but you know you you I mean you can divide the time easily I mean like 210 hours yeah that's 10 hours per character yeah right like it's doable I mean I, I know that I don't have to with Overwatch I can be comfortable in knowing that I won't see the um, like just the regular stream of subtle che- tweaks and t- changes that happen in League of Legends. Right. So like, it's not going to be like a month from now. It's not even going to resemble the game I played. You know, and um, or uh, it's not going to like Blizzard's really good about um, releasing content in their packages and. And having significant content in those packages. Right. But I have to wonder, like, is Overwatch... I mean, they don't tend to make a game without having some kind of long-term plan for it. And yet, the long-term plan for this game doesn't seem to be that apparent. I mean, do they expect people to just play it for a few months this year, and then around Christmas time kind of fade out until they announce, like, the next... You know, the expansion with a few heroes and a couple maps, or maybe a new gameplay mode or something. You know, it's hard to say. And then will that be behind a price gate? Oh yeah, will there be (laughs) a price to buy even more dudes? You know, I'm really torn on that. Like on one hand, it is interesting how like we expect, like even this conversation to me, it's it's actually a little weird when you think about it. Like when I used to buy like me some like let's say I bought myself Mega Man X. Uh huh. I didn't really buy the game and think, man, will this form a strong year-long habit? (laughs) (laughs) Will I get addicted to this game? Because if not, I'm not quite sure it's worth full market. Sure, but I think at the same time, you know, you're talking about a... When you're talking about, like, a personal... A a solo game. Yeah. You know, a game I want to play by myself on my own time. I think it's different than a game where... Presumably, you're going to want to play with people. Probably people you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I, you know, it's actually interesting because there was a game that I developed a pretty strong habit of playing that you introduced me to. Yeah. That really, when I bought it, I bought it just to play with my friends. And the game was Guns of Icarus. Uh huh. Guns of Icarus was just like this game, and I just played it. And, um,. And I'm gonna, I am going to concede here that it had this very silly progression system where you got achievements. Yeah. And that's all you got. Uh-huh. <laughs> and maybe new cosmetic items. It was actually like Overwatch. Yeah. In, in its setup. But the difference was is that in Guns of Icarus, um, because I bought it just to play with my buddies, um, it was very addicting. I did put in over 200 hours on it in the end. And... Um, 
each achievement, each new thing that I tried or did got me my new cosmetic. Whereas where I feel like where I feel like if Blizzard were to do the same thing, and they kind of are, the, the one mistake or the one thing that just feels wrong is that it's random. Oh god, you're you're right. I I totally wanted to mention that. Freaking Blizzard and their goddamn random loot drop. Oh yeah. Like because it's they've already got the classic color coding system, you know, of their epic, normal, and and whatever loot. Yeah, like why? And, why? And it's just like to to fucking and they give you some points so that eventually, if you grind your face against the stone long enough, you'll have enough blood money to be able to buy the one thing you actually want. Which, by the way, they designed in such a way. To be like, look at this thing, so much fancier than the rest. Highest price mark. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, they know this system, but they they just, like, cast the die each time you, you go to earn something. Which really kind of cheapens the earning of anything. So, let's see here. I feel like... We've hammered a lot on the game. We do what we typically do here. Yeah. Um, is like talk about the game, maybe mention a couple times that it's great, and then beat it up, right? Uh-huh. But the, what do you think your verdict is on the game so far? Uh, this is what I've been going back and forth with over the last week. Well, trying I'll, to figure, because like, I'm still kind of feeling on the fence. I think what might tip the scale for me is I'm going to honestly go ask more of a friends who have played the beta and be like, do you think this is a game you would want to play in a group? Because we haven't had a strong team game in a while, other than the guys' league night, which I've kind of fallen out of. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually going to play Counter-Strike with the others later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, And so, like, would this be a group game that I could play with, with my buddies again? No leveling. And, uh, exactly, no leveling. It's easy enough to jump in and out of, and I do appreciate that. Um, and, uh, if so, then I might throw the $40 at them to grab it. Um, if not, I could probably play Team Fortress. Just you can well. play Team Fortress, right? <laughs> yeah. To get my sh- team shooting fix. This, for me, was the verdict, and I thought this was really interesting. I have to bring up Hearthstone, Blizzard's other newest game. Gross. Gross. I shouldn't actually <laughs> say I think it's their newest. I think Cures of the Storm came after Hearthstone. But yeah. in Hearthstone, most card games, strategy card games like that, deck building card games, collectible card games, the time it takes for you to play one game is oftentimes like a half an hour. Yeah. 40 minutes. And, um, and in Hearthstone, the playtime was like, you know... You could actually sometimes knock out a game where you're, and it wasn't very common, where you would be dead or your opponent's dead before they get their 10th draw. Uh-huh. Right? Um, and it actually makes Hearthstone, even though I don't think it's the greatest game ever, I actually don't, but it actually makes Hearthstone kind of fun in that like you can just like get up, dust off your shoulders, and try again. This is what tipped the scales for Overwatch for me. When I play Team Fortress, when I even play, I don't know, Counter-Strike, or I don't know, God forbid, League of Legends, right, <laughs> StarCraft, I can't play these games without setting aside at least a half an hour. Yeah. But in oh, Overwatch, yeah. it is very rare that a game takes 20 minutes. In fact, I started to check for a while, most of my games I could nail out in 10 minutes. 10 10 to 12 minutes. And that playtime where I play it, I have a good time, or maybe a bad time, right? But even if it was a bad time, I just dust off my shoulders. It, it didn't take up a lot of my time. It wasn't a lot of frustration. I could drop the cue, try again. And in the end, especially like we get busier in our lives nowadays, or maybe oh, yeah. I just need to squeeze in something. Maybe I do have 10 minutes of free time. Yeah. I open up my Steam library. There's nothing I can play in 10 minutes. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing I can play for ten minutes that would be relevant, other than Minesweeper, I guess. I definitely feel you there. 
Like, and, I'm gonna go collect a few trees in, in Minecraft, or... Yeah. I'm gonna pet my cat in Stardew Valley. I'll, I'll block... Yeah, I'll pet my cat in Stardew Valley. <laughs> you couldn't finish a day in Stardew Valley in ten minutes. No. I mean, um, maybe twenty. So, to me, Overwatch, what... What really drove it home for me is that um, I remember I was like waiting, like I had something, I, I thought my delivery guy was going to come to the door and um, 25 minutes and I nailed out two Overwatch games before he made it to my door. <laughs> and I was like, this game is amazing and perfect for, I just want to get a little in. And, yeah. it's, and that's what sold it for me. And they definitely do make the minutes count too. Yeah. You're yeah. not we're just... You're not wasting those minutes. You're playing that game the whole ten minutes, and then it's done. So it sold it for me. Plus, when I was done over those days, I looked at uh, I looked at how I had 20 hours in the five days. Yeah, pretty compelling reason to buy it. I mean, I got I probably got most of my money's worth out of it right there. I value my gaming time at about. If I buy a game, I expect to get one hour of game time per dollar put in. Oh God, by your math, that's a lot of matches. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot <laughs> of matches, right? Yeah. So So who is your champion of choice? Who's your favorite let's say top three. Oh, okay, top three. Top three I can do this. I played Lucio a lot. Um I still haven't figured out how some people do it, but some people can like stay writing on the wall forever. Oh yeah, that's awesome. It's freaking <laughs> awesome, right? You know, like I could write on the wall, but I haven't figured out how some people are just like glued to the wall and I yeah. want to figure that out but I really like playing Lucio I thought he had so many cool mechanics an ultimate troll move like he could push people off cliffs come on oh yeah um, although that's not so bad for Tracy Tracer yeah she's just like I'm back <laughs> um the other one and I, I think I just fall into most people on this I just think Diva is just like the coolest character she can fly she can become vulnerable when she dies, she doesn't really die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do like her ultimate. Yeah. Oh, her ultimate. I love that. Oh, you killed me. But you can still activate her ultimate when her mech is falling down. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> that, that aspect where people just got to clinch the kill on you. And then you activate the ult as you're getting out. Yeah. I freaking love it. So I really like D.Va. And then um, I'm really torn between uh, Soldier 76, which, yeah, boring. But um, <laughs> I'm really torn between whether or not I really like him or Tracer more. I first hated Tracer. That damage fall off where she can't like shoot anyone more than just like, I don't know. She's like, well, I've tried to shoot at someone more than seven meters away. Bullets do nothing. <laughs> that part I really hated. But once I started to figure out the character, the kind of like, I don't have to kill you to be effective. Yeah. That part I actually really liked. Yeah, I liked... Um I definitely did like Tracer. I was finding creative ways to get around the maps with her jump ability. And then um, I also enjoyed my time with Bastion. And then um, what was that like rocket chick with the the Valkyrie rocket chick? Oh, Farah. Farah. I, I April played a lot of that. Farah, too. She was pretty fun. Yeah, I actually think Farah is awesome. I played against a pretty good Farah the other day. Like, so good that even though we eventually won, like, our team and their team gave her an epic, like, ten votes. <laughs> oh, man. I know we're running out of time here, but yeah. I just gotta say the scoring system in that game, just the whole, like, reflect on the last ten minutes. Yeah. What the heck? I wish more games did that, right? Where it is like, think about what you have done, young man. I also do like their, the their highlight reel at the end of each match. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Although you get, if you played a lot like I did, you eventually, like, the moment you see Hanzo's face, you're like, let's see the dragon. Oh, yeah. Show me the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> but I do love the idea of the play of the game. I think a lot of competitive games should just have to play the game. The play of the game is genius for just one simple reason. And I, as someone who you know runs a lot of games and makes RPG games for my friends to play and stuff, I never thought about this. But just making it so that everyone has to acknowledge the one time you do something awesome makes it so <laughs> that you actually want to try... To do something awesome. Because yeah. you know they'll have to acknowledge it. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I think that's it for time today. Um, thank you, everybody who's listened to our show and made it this far in today's episode. That was all about Overwatch. Um, 
And uh, hopefully our next episode won't be too long from now. But I do want to say, even though we're just starting this podcast, I'm a crazy person and I'm about to start a second podcast, also featuring Garner, as well as another friend of ours, Alex, and maybe some other folk. And it is a podcast that will be revolving um, around our book club that we started last year. So we decided to start recording this, and so what you as the audience get to do is listen to the book that we're going to be reading and then hear us talk about how terrible it was in spite of the fact that we liked it. <laughs> and um, uh, do that for about an hour. <laughs> Um, and I think the book we're going to be starting with um, next... It's Thinking Fast and Slow. By whom? I think it's Daniel Kahneman. Yeah, I'm checking my Audible app right now. That's not a plug. Boop, 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 boop. Where is it? There it is. By Daniel Kahneman. God, nailed it. Yep. And so, if you want to join us in our book club, go ahead and pick that book up on either Audible or Kindle or one of those old school places that actually sell or loan books, like a library. The library? What? What do you think your tax dollars are for? For ignoring that place. Yeah, don't go there. Letting the creatures that that dwell within (laughs) remain. Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to leave a comment telling us what you think about the show. Or if you have a topic you want to hear us cover, you can tell us that too. Sound effects were provided by Rock Savage and Elijah Unick. Music for the show is provided by Ben Sound. If you like Tangent Train, why not tell your friends about us? That really does help. Thanks.